Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. I want to share a really quick story with you. Uh, years ago, many years ago, it might have even been the 80s. I'm not sure. Just, just you know, how many people here were born in the 80s? Or before it? Yep. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's discouraging. So this is back, I think it was in the 80s. And anyway, I, I, I used to rollerblade. I have some skills. It's not funny. I can do this thing. So anyway, I used to rollerblade. And there I was, and I had my birthday down at the Bayswater Roller Rink. And, uh, and, and so I had my birthday there. And, and so anyway, my friends were there. But of course... Um, my family was there too, and so here we are at the Basewater Roller Rink, and uh, there was a few kids there that were maybe a little bit bigger than, than, than all the other kids, you know, and they started getting kind of, I don't know, like, just kind of like they were bullying some of the other kids, and uh, some of them were my friends, so anyway, I went over to see what was happening, and there was this one guy there, and he was trying to be intimidating, and so he looked at me, and, uh, and when I told him, I said, hey, 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 come on, let's just relax, and, and then he turns his attention to me, and back in... Back in the 80s, I think it was the 80s, this is how people would threaten you. They would say, um, I'm going to, like, he was going to get his older brother, but this is how it came out. He goes, I'm going to get my older brother onto you, you know? And that's it, like, onto you. Like, it was like, chills, literally chills. And so, and so anyway, he, he, was, he, would, he said this thing to me. And, and so there I am, and I've got this guy standing in front of me, I'm going to get you and I'm going to get my older brother, you wait right here and I'm going to come back with my older brother and we're gonna, I'm going to get him onto you and, and, and then while he's threatening me, I look over his shoulder and I see my dad and my dad is watching this whole thing go down and so he's looking at the situation and suddenly, not because I thought that I was tough, not because I thought that, you know, I was going to be able to do something about, you know, this guy and his older brother. But because I saw my dad, I just got so bold. Like, I looked at him and I'm like, yeah, you know, like, like kind of like, I don't care. And I didn't care because my dad was there. I'm like, well, why don't you get your older brother? And I'm just tough talking because my dad was there. Now, I didn't know how big his older brother was, but I had seen my dad and, and, and he was an, a full-grown adult, you know, and I, I backed my dad to be able to take this group of kids out anyway. So, so, so I got filled with confidence, right? And, and really, here's my point. When you know that your father is with you, it fills you with a level of confidence that you would not normally have. And I think that if that's true physically, it is absolutely true spiritually. Like, I'm telling you tonight that when you know that you're Father in heaven is with you. It fills you with a level of boldness that you would not ordinarily have, except that he's there. And it's kind of like you know that if he is there, then everything is just going to work out fine. Everything's going to be okay. Uh, the reason I tell you this is because this year, I think God is going to be with you as you step out to make some bold decisions for him. And I know that naturally there would be things about what you feel God is telling you to do that would be intimidating to you but don't forget that your God is with you and if he is with you who would dare be against you I want to read a scripture to you guys tonight this comes out of Matthew chapter 5 verses 15 to 16 and this is literally one of my favorite passages of scripture he says you are the light of the world now I want you to understand that that's you 
So I know I've done this before, but why don't you look at the person next to you and say, you. No, I just didn't feel it. If you were here for Vision Sunday, we are a passionate church, okay? So I want you to look again at the same person and say, you. All right. All right. I felt it that time, right? Now, here's the thing. I want you to look at your second choice, right? They were not the first person you wanted to look to. So first of all, you say, I'm sorry, you're my second choice. If you're married to them, absolutely apologize. But say, you. All right. So now you've heard it from the person, hopefully on your left and your right. I think the point is made that when Jesus was speaking to them, we understand that he wasn't just speaking to them. He's speaking to us today as his people. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Not if you will light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is, um, I think, such a significant verse, not only for God's people, but particularly for this house. So, you know, uh, recently I was having a conversation with my kids. And, uh, and they said to me, Dad, they said, what, what are you afraid of? And, and we have these conversations. Like, this is just, this is a classic, typical conversation at my house, right? And there are things that I would be afraid of. Like, like, I don't like it if I'm at the beach and I'm swimming in the water and something touches my leg, but I can't see what it is. I don't like that. Like, I, I, I'm not a fan of that. Or I don't really like it when a spider is let loose in my bedroom, but I can't find it. And I need to go to bed, but I don't know where it went. I, I don't like that, you know. There are things that I don't like, but these things... You know, they don't really keep me up at night. These are not the things that I really worry about too much. In fact, the thing that I probably do think about, the thing that concerns me sometimes, and I do think about this, is I just don't want to live a life that doesn't make a difference on planet Earth. Because, you know, I, I kind of feel like I will have eternity to think about how I spent my time here. And I don't want to get to there and look back on this little space of time that I lived on earth and regret how I spent it because I was too worried about a whole host of things. Or maybe I was worried about the wrong things. And I'm telling you, I I don't want to live a life that doesn't make a difference. I think that after I rededicated my life to Jesus, the first scripture that someone ever gave to me, and they said, hey, I really feel like this is a verse for you, is Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. And if, if you know the verse... This is what it says. It says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. You know, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. And I think that that was a good scripture for Joshua to receive. But I think it's so good for uh, the church, for us as people. And I think it's good because we often see things that are wrong in this world. Like you should be, if you're here tonight and you are not a Christian and you are, you've just showed up to see what this is about, well, you're going to find out tonight, but you are off the hook with all of this stuff. But if you know Jesus, you're a follower of Jesus and you have a relationship with him, you should be confronted with things that you know are wrong and things that need to be changed. And I think it takes great courage to begin to change them. I think that's why in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9, 
He said, have I not commanded you? And it's so important that we see that that proceeds to be strong and courageous. It's almost like when God gives us a commandment, at that point, we have all the provision that we need to do the thing that requires us to be strong and courageous or bold. Because he said, I have commanded you. So you should know that wherever God sends you, he defends you. If God's going to give you a commission, if he's going to give you a purpose, if he's going to call you out to do something, he is absolutely going to meet you in the moment when you need him most. So when he says, have I not commanded you? He's saying, hey, don't you get it? I told you I'd be with you. And if I'm with you, who would dare be against you? So with that in mind, it's time for you to be strong and courageous. I want to tell you tonight that you have been made to stand out. You've been made to stand out. We are people that walk by faith and not by sight. We're people that walk by faith and not by sight. We're people that make decisions. Let me rephrase that in a way that's maybe easier to understand. When we make decisions, we make decisions because we hear from God and obey Him boldly. And we do that over what we see sometimes, because I've discovered that sometimes what we see can be misleading. You know, I I said this in, in the last couple of weeks. I said, you know what? The truth about God is, and I'm sure this comes as this absolute revelation to you. You'll be so glad you come to church tonight. God is invisible. You know? But your problems are highly visible. Your problems are in 4K resolution. They are in 3D. You, you, you see them. You experience them. You know them. They're in your face. And, and they're so obvious that they're here physically in front of you. And that's why we need to be people that walk by faith and not by sight. Because sometimes what we see can intimidate us away from what we hear. You understand what I'm saying tonight? So that's why we got to be people of faith. Let me explain it to you kind of like this. The Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God existed before the heavens did. And then the heavens was existed before the earth did. And what I'm suggesting to you tonight is that the spiritual proceeds to physical. And not only does it precede the physical, it supersedes it. And the only reason you're so convinced by what's around you And the only reason you're so convinced by your circumstances and what you presently see and what's presently around you is because this world is all you've ever known. But when you become a person of faith and you understand who God is and the fact that He's with you, you go against what you see sometimes, go against what you is physically in front of you to go with what you heard from God because you know He's with you. We're people that act by faith and not by sight. I think sometimes our problems can be so big and so overwhelming, we almost can feel powerless to do anything about them. You know, sometimes it's, it's, it's not so much that, you know, it's just one problem. Like the problems that are really intimidating is the ones that are interwoven, interconnected, and they're so big, you don't even know where to start. Imagine you're running a business and the business is not going well. Because the business is not going well, 
you know, you're struggling maybe just, you know, within yourself. But to add to that, you can't pay your mortgage. And if you have a family, that's another pressure. But because the financial pressure is there, now the marriage has got issues, right? And, and, and you're just struggling across the board. That's a big kind of a problem. And big problems come to us all the time. Sometimes our big problems, they come to us in our workspaces. You know, you've got a boss that doesn't want to listen to you. The culture of the environment is terrible. You hate it. It's not what you want. You go to school. You've got issues with your friends at school, maybe at university, you know, and, and, and you see these huge issues and you don't even know where to begin with the problems that you've got going on. And when that happens, you almost feel like, man, what am I going to do to change the problems that I see. We are literally confronted with so many problems in the world, big picture, not even just localized to ourselves, but things that are so big, they think, how am I going to do anything about this? How am I even going to make a difference? And that is where Jesus comes in with this verse. He says at this point to people who are really Palestinian peasants, And he says to them, you are the light of the world. And they're probably thinking, what do you mean we are the light of the world? Have you looked around at at how we live and what we do? You know what Jesus is really saying? He's saying the world can be a dark place, but you are the light of the world and you can affect change and you can make a difference and you can start to make it just a little bit brighter. And I wonder if some of these people were listening to Jesus that day and saying, I don't even know if I can affect the outcome of the next hour. I don't know if I can affect the outcome of, of the next week. And you say that we're the light of the world? that we can bring change and transformation. We're ruled by an empire. We're under the province of another king. Like, how are we going to make a difference? And yet this is the people that Jesus is speaking to. And I'll tell you this. I think that Jesus loves to find people that think they've got nothing to offer and do something remarkable with them because he gets the glory. He loves to take people that think they've got nothing to offer. He loves to take people that think, I can't do anything. How am I going to affect change? Well, I, I can't do anything. And there are so many scriptures about this, that God uses people that look poor and, makey, and maybe look weak or, or, or foolish. And he says that they can confound the wisdom of the wise. And the point that I'm making is that God loves to find people that think they've got nothing to offer and show them that they can affect change and change, they can actually change the world. And sometimes you think, how am I going to do that? I can't change my workplace. I go to university. It's a big university. How am I going to affect change in this place? It's too big. The system is too big. You know, there's too many people. I don't even know how I'm going to begin to do that. And yet Jesus is saying, you can actually affect change. See, What you need to know is God wants to change the world and he's sending you. And the reason that that's important is because if you have been trying to blend in, you should know you were created to stand out. I think that's what this scripture is all about. About standing out. About making a difference. You know, my brother... He, uh, he joined the army many, many years ago. 
And uh, when you join the army, they send you off to a place called Kapuka. And there they have you for 12 weeks. And they, they did back then. And uh, they have you for 12 weeks. And they're trying to take this group of people that really, uh, uh, they're not soldiers. And they try to do as much as they can with them to develop them so that they emerge 12 weeks later being obedient uh, uh, taking their orders and doing everything that they're told to do, that they would become excellent soldiers. So they try to break people down mentally, and, it's, and, it, and it really gets tough. Now, here's the thing. I actually have friends of mine who have been in the army. And so when my brother decided to join, they started to give some advice. And this is what they said to my brother. They said, my advice to you is to be the gray man. Are you familiar with that term? Because I wasn't. I said, what's the gray man? They said, all right, let us give you some really good advice here. Okay, number one is that you don't want to finish at the start. You don't want to finish first, right? And you absolutely don't want to finish last. You don't want to finish first because they'll notice you and you don't want them to notice you. If at all possible in the next 12 weeks, you should try to get away with it where nobody knows your name. Try to disappear somewhere into the middle. Like if you could finish top middle, don't come last. That's real bad. They'll know who you are. And don't come first. That's, that's, that's bad because you'll stand out. But if you could just finish somewhere around top middle, then that would be ideal. You can coast through uh, this, this next 12 weeks and not experience uh, you know, them, them you know, putting you to work and, and having their attention on you. And so this was the advice they gave to my friend. And I know that people think that this is a great way to live life. If I could just be the gray man. Like if I could just make it through high school without anybody knowing that I actually go to church, then I'll probably be able to get away with my reputation intact. Like if I can just coast through my work experience, if nobody knows what I do on Sunday morning or Sunday night that I actually go to church, that would make this life so much easier. I just want to blend in. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to stand out. I don't want people to know too much about me. I don't want them to be talking about me. I feel like I'd be putting maybe a target on my back and that's not the kind of life that I'm looking to live. So if I could just get through with no, without anybody really knowing much about me, this is a great way to not bring drama into my life. Some people treat it like a life verse or like this is the way that they should live. I want to tell you, don't make it your plan to hide from the world. That's not what God wants for you. The plans that you make cannot be to just completely withdraw from the culture that you live in and separate yourself and hope that nobody notices you. (laughs) I don't think that's what God's got for anyone. There was a um, culture around Jesus' day, uh, a group of people, a community, I should say, that did exactly this. There were this monastic community that were called the Essenes. And you might not know who they are, but you might be familiar with one of the things that they're really well known for. So they actually lived uh, around the, the Dead Sea and they wrote down all the scriptures. And, uh, and so they stored them in caves around the scriptures. But because the area is so dry, it actually preserved the scriptures. And in 1948, they were able to, uh, when they discovered what they really had there, they started to collect the scriptures and they could compare them to the current Bible that we have to make sure that what we read is what was written. The amazing thing was it was so accurate and I think it blew everyone away. And so anyway, the, the point is, is that this culture, they lived out there by themselves because what they did is they saw the culture that they were living in. They saw the darkness of the world that was around them. 
And rather than being people that wanted to affect change, they actually withdrew and separated themselves from the culture. And they said, we're going to do our life over here by ourselves, away from everyone else, where everything, everyone that lives with us has our values and, and agrees upon our values. And we could, we could just have a much easier life than having to live with the tension of being in a culture that's, that's where there's prevailing darkness. And it's, that's not what we want. We want to save ourselves by separating ourselves. This is what they did. And, and I don't think that's the way that God wants us to live either. How are you ever going to affect change if every time things start to get dark, you retreat and just think of somebody else's job? Listen to me, the world is absolutely getting darker. In fact, statistically, one in nine Christians globally is persecuted. Christian people are the number one persecuted people group on the planet. If you live in Asia, one in three people in Asia is severely persecuted if they're Christians. And I know that this is horrible. And this is, this is, this is, I mean, the world is getting dark. You know, in many ways, the world is actually getting better. Standard of living is increasing. But spiritually, it's getting darker. And some of that is just horrifying, you know. But we got to stop stopping at being horrified and start to lead the change. Do you, you get what I'm talking about? Like, if we, we'd say that's horrifying for the people that have to deal with that. That's horrifying for people that live in Asia. That's horrifying for them. If we stop at being horrified, we're not actually making a difference. And again, I, I just really don't think that this is the life that God has for us. I don't think this is the way that He wants us to live. I said this a couple of weeks ago. If you want to start to affect change, you're going to have to sit in the smoking section of life. Because you can separate yourself and sit with all the people that already don't smoke, and that's fine. You won't come out smelling like smoke, but you're not going to change anyone's life from that seat either. And I think what God is looking for is people that are willing to trust Him enough to boldly go wherever they're sent, wherever He decides to send them. I'm telling you, you were made to stand out. Not to blend in, but to stand out. Jesus said, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. It cannot be hidden. That makes sense. I mean, just logically, if you think about it. Like, just picture a city on a hill. It's big. You know, and it stands out. It's pretty obvious that it's there. I mean, it's obvious that it's there even during the day. But if it started to get darker and all the city lights would start to come on, can you imagine you'd be able to see that even easier at a distance? You would see the city lights begin to glow and it would actually, you know what, if, if you were somewhere out in some desert region and you were looking for civilization and you saw city lights at night when everything else was dark, it would look like hope to you. It'd almost be like a beacon. You'd be like, that's where I need to go. He says, a city set on a hill, it cannot be hidden. Of course it can't be hidden. It just exists. It's self-existent. That's where it is. I think the point that Jesus is trying to make is, is that when you're a follower of him and you have his values and you care about what he cares about, it's just going to be obvious. Like it can't be hidden because it's going to bleed through everything that you do. It's, it's going to be obvious whether you're in your workplace, whether you're with your family, you know, you, you can't hide that. 
I mean, if you're able to hide it, that's, that's not where God wants you to be. He's saying, if you really are a follower of mine, it'll be so obvious that you're a follower that people will just see it. They'll just know it'll stand out in a culture that's getting darker. You'll start to shine like people will notice you for that. And while Jesus was in the middle of saying this, a person put up his hand and he said, but, but Jesus... I get what you're saying about, you know, standing out and, 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 and our values bleeding through. And I, I understand what you're saying about that. But see, the, the, the issue with me is, is that I'm an introvert. Upon hearing this, Jesus said, oh, well, in that case, don't worry about a thing. This doesn't apply to you. No, 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 by all means. Like, you know, if you're introverted, then you should hide what you really believe. Of course, Jesus never said that. You know why he didn't say that? Because I'm talking about being bold and standing out, but being bold and standing out has nothing to do with your personality and everything to do with your character. It's not about being loud. It's not about being in people's faces. It's about having your identity so grounded in Christ that when things are different in the culture that you find yourself in, you can stand up for what you believe in and walk away, if they disagree, being fully intact. I think that's what Jesus is looking for. People that start to live their lives like that. I, I used to do a, um, it's like this street ministry would go out with different people and, and we would talk to people about Jesus. And I had a group of people that I would do it with and they would kind of rotate through. But the guy that was the most committed to this, coming out and talking to people about Jesus, was the most introverted person I have ever met in my life. He was not gifted at communicating with people very well in social settings. And I knew it was an incredible challenge for this guy to keep coming out. And I said, why do you keep doing this? Like, not to, not to discourage him, I was just interested. I said, I think it's so great that you're here. Why are you here? And his point was really that I believe in this so much that I'm willing to push past maybe some of the uncomfortableness. I think it's important to be authentically who I am, wherever I am. And if I'm out and I see something that needs to be changed, I'm just going to do it. And and and, and this person was introverted, but that was never his excuse or not something that he hid behind because for him, it wasn't about being louder in anyone's face. It was just about his character just bleeding through everything that he did. So yeah, he was out on Saturday morning speaking to people, but he would speak to people wherever he was. And he just wasn't a real people person, but he knew who he was. And when you know who you are, it's amazing what you can do. Here's what Jesus did not say. You are a small town hidden in a valley. That would be the opposite of a city on a hill. You are a small town in a valley. Small towns in, towns in a valley could actually hide very well. They could hide very well from ev- ev- everybody. In fact, you might not know that there was a small town in a valley unless you were nearly directly on top of it. But that's not what he said. He said, hey, he said, you're going to stand out. And when he said this, he wasn't just saying it to one or two people. He was saying it to a group of people that were listening it wasn't one or two. There was just people everywhere listening to it to him. And I think that that's kind of why he said, hey, you guys are like a city. Can't be a city on your own. He said, you guys are like a city on a hill. Like you're obvious, but also there's lots of you. And you're all here together. 
And if you get what I'm talking about, you start to change the way that you think and act in a certain way and let your values begin to bleed through into everything that you do, wow, you're going to form a movement. And they did in the book of Acts. And we call that Christianity. People that eventually were so caught by what Jesus said and made a decision to follow him that they became so bold with how they would share their faith. It became a movement. The good thing about a movement is that it's not just one individual shouting their cause. It's an entire group of people heading in the same direction. I was reading a book uh, not too long ago about a pastor that decided that he was going to go uh, overseas and he wanted to go on safari, you know, so he had his wife and his, uh, you know, kids there. And when he went there, um, you know, they, they arrived and uh, it was late at night and they said, we're going to do safari the next day. These guys can't wait. So they said, no, 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 no. They said, can we go tonight? They got their tour guide and they said, let's go out tonight. Let's see if there's animals out here at night. Tour guide said, okay, cool, let's do it. So they get in the car, you know, him and his wife and his kids. And here they are driving through, you know, some jungle in Africa, you know, looking for wild animals. And they find some. They find a pride of lions. And when they find these lions, uh, they start to, you know, kind of get scared because, you know, like they're scary. So, so they, they start to get scared and they're, and they're worried. And, and they say to the guy, hey, are we safe in here? Like, that's the kind of question that I would ask. Hey, are we going to be safe in here? And he said, you'll be safe provided that you don't get out. He said, actually, here's, here's a good tip for you. Let me talk to you about how lions actually think. He said, if you actually happen to be out somewhere and you were, the, you're, you're, you were outside the car, and you stumble upon some lions, you should all group together as closely as you can as you continue to journey forwards. Because when the lions see you and you're all grouped together, the way that they understand you, they only see you as one animal, not a group of smaller animals. And because your mass is quite big, they won't actually attack you. There's five of us now. We're all in the car and they just see us as one animal, one large animal. And because they see us this way, they will not attack us. And you know, when I begin to hear something like that, it makes me think, hey, I I think this is how the church should be. Not fragmented, not people off on their own that can get picked off, you know, one at a time, but together doing something significant, together headed in the same direction as one movement of people looking to affect change in the world. And I tell you what, we will do more together than we ever could on our own. I think that's why he said, you're like a city. Because it's not just the one, like you imagine the city at night. It's not one light on that makes the difference. But when the city lights are on, they're all there together. And it begins to make an impact. It begins to affect change. I think that's what the church is. Here's something Jesus said. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. They will have the light of life. The Bible says that he was the light of men, but we have him. So we have some light to give. You know, this whole part that he says, you know, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Wow, that would really be pointless, wouldn't it? Like, you know, if you you lit a lamp covered it up, 
Why would you do that? It just doesn't make sense. And yet some people have the light of Christ in them and they want to cover it up. And it's almost like you cease to function in your intended purpose. You're not actually operating the way that you're supposed to operate. You know, a Jewish lamp was actually, it was quite small. And so if you put it on the ground, it's not going to make much of a difference. If you put it under a basket, it's useless. But if you want to make that thing really work for you, you take it and you set it high on a stand so the rays can go further and light up more of the house. That's what it says. It'll give light to everyone in the house. And I guess what I'm really saying is, is that if you want to stay hidden and out of sight, you are not going to affect change in this world to the same degree as if you were to stand up and stand out. Because the more you stand up and stand out, the further your light goes. You know, I kind of got this feeling that if you wanted to get maybe just promoted in your workplace, maybe the best thing that you could do is really be authentically who you are as a follower of Jesus and watch how God begins to promote you and set you on a stand. Because when God wants to affect change in the world, He chooses to do it through you. So you can keep what you believe to yourself and, and not affect the small office that you're in. Or maybe what God is looking for is someone that was bold enough to say what they really believe and He wants to use them to impact an entire company. Maybe your best chance for promotion is to be authentically yourself and let some of that light begin to bleed through everything that you do. Begin to let it stand out. And if you're here and you go, okay, I get it. It's about the light. Like we're going to, you know, is it light church? No. And, and, <laughs> and you say, well, how am I going to do that? Like how am I going to, how am I going to let that light, you know, really begin to shine? You know, what? I, I think one of the best ways you can let your light shine, honestly, is to tell your story. You know, if you begin to tell your story, I'm telling you right now that God will get some glory. Because you know what? People might not always necessarily believe everything that you believe. When they hear what God did in your life, they can't argue with that. And they don't have to have a theological degree to get to that point. They just hear what God did in your world. They hear what God did in your life. And maybe they think, well, if he did it for her, maybe he'll do that for me. If we did it for him, maybe God will act towards me in that way. You just got to start to let some of that light begin to come out so that people can see it, so that you can begin to positively change the lives of people. You can do that by just having acts of compassion, by being kind, just, just being kind. You know, some of these things, we, we call them the fruits of the Spirit, what are the fruits? I love that the first fruit of the Spirit is love. You know what the Scriptures say? They say they recognize Jesus' disciples by how they, by how they love one another. So there's something about loving people greatly that indicates the presence of Jesus in them. I mean, a lot of people can show love. But wouldn't it be awesome if we were the best at it? Like we were so good at it. They said, they're probably, you know, that guy's probably a Christian. I don't think that's what we're known for, by the way. But wouldn't it be good if they, if they actually said that? Hey, that guy's probably a Christian. Why? Well, have you seen the way that they love? 
Have you, have you seen the way that they treat people? That's unbelievable. You've never seen anything like that. I love that they say, you know what, uh, one of the fruits of the Spirit, it's joy. So happiness, you can, you, can, you can be happy when everything's going well, but to possess joy when everything's going wrong, I think that shines a little bit brighter. I think it does. I think it stands out even more. Because you know what I've noticed is that everyone can be happy when everything is going well. You know what? I, I think our light actually shines the brightest when everything around us is getting real dark. That's how that happens. When, when, when everything around us is starting to get real dark. And if you really, really want to make that light real bright, You should give people the gospel. I think that that is the best way we could positively impact people's lives. Because that message, that gospel message, is the most encouraging, uplifting, inspiring message you will ever hear. That God loves you. That he wants to know you. Even if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, you'd have to admit that you're not perfect. There's probably things that you've done wrong. Here's... What Jesus says, I want to know you and forgive you and give you a fresh start. I want to give you a clean slate. That is an incredibly encouraging and and positively uplifting message. And if you want to really begin to shine brightly in people's lives, if you want to really start to shine brightly, you should start to give them that message. Don't just be bold. Be bright. You know, there's a lot of people who actually think that they're pretty good by their own standards. My point is, is if you want to stand out, you're going to have to shine real bright to make a difference. Most people think that they're good. What would you do that was so outstanding that they were able to recognize the love of Christ in you? See, here's what you need to know. You need to recognize that your life has influence. Use it because you actually can affect change in the world. This is what I understand to be true. The darker the world gets, the brighter your light will shine. Bright Church. That is the name of our church. And uh, I am just so excited about this because... You know, in my heart of hearts, I think that the church is supposed to stand out. That we're not supposed to be to just blend in. And what we really see here as a church, as people, as God's people, is that we are to be passionate. We should be passionate. We should be life-giving. I think that God's going to grow. He's going to build this church. We need to start to raise up leaders, people that are willing to affect change in the world, to begin to shine their light and allow what God has done in them to begin to affect change in other people. I think the task that we have as a church is great. It's big. It's significant. Here's the encouraging part. We are not doing this by ourselves. That God is with us. And I told you that when you know that your Father is with you, You get this boldness about you because you know He's going to meet you in the moment when it matters most. And this is something that doesn't just affect the leaders of this church, but it's the people. 
I, I love that you're here tonight. I love that what God wants to do with this world is to begin to shape it through your hands and through your feet. I believe that God wants to use you to change the city that we live in and we need to let our light shine. And I think that's everything that Bright Church stands for. It's everything that we're about. And man, I'm just so excited about that. Why don't you stand to your feet? Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.